Hello all and welcome to the final episode of Old Everald and Young James Talk Politics for the Year. Uh, it's been a huge year and being our last episode of the year before we take a Christmas break, um, we thought we'd do something a bit different and sort of coming off from our Heroes and Zeros segments we've been doing the past few weeks, we thought we'd do a year in review and talk about all the good and bad things we've seen in year 2021. So here with Everald as always, how are we? Oh, I'm fine, thank you, James. It's good to be on with you. We've had a good year in our podcast too, and next year it'll uh, get better. Let me start off the year in review by talking about the momentous event that happened in the very first week of January 2021, when on the 6th of January, I think was the exact day, Donald Trump made that volatile speech and people descended upon Congress, took it over, desecrated it, people were killed. It was a deliberate attack on democracy for no valid reason. And, and that sticks in my mind as the, the, the rotten event of the year, or the event of the year, because it was an issue by the right wing in America, led by Donald Trump, and I think it went beyond the right wing, the extremists of America, led by Donald Trump, trying to totally destroy the, the democratic system of the United States, the Congress, the, the whole works. And the one thing that heartened me about it all was that the Supreme Court, which is now stacked with Trump appointees, rejected every advance that Trump made to the court, which he thought his appointees would support him, the three conservatives, and they kicked him out each time. And that gave me some heart that... Uh, uh, that the, the judicial system still works in those uh, sort of circumstances. But I think the Trump episode at the start of the year started a whole lot of political nonsense around the world and culminated here in Australia this year with idiots running around in Parliament over the whole anti-vaxxer thing and people like Christensen and Antic and Rennick and those senators uh, behaving like total idiots in the whole situation. So I think the Trump thing got us off to a bad start. How did you see it as a young, young world leader? Um, no, crazy. <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, it's it's not like a 9-11 sort of thing, but it's certainly something that I think always stick in my mind just for how um, absurd it was. Like, you know, I've long since abandoned the idea that the US is a sparkling beacon of freedom and democracy. It's, you know, it's one of the most corrupt backwards countries in the world. So it, it's, it, it wasn't, um, you know, like a, a surprise to me per se to see something like this happening in America um, because, you know, America's been building to something like this for a long time. I think 30% of Republican voters still think the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. That number might even be higher. So the, um, the effects of that January 6th are still lingering on today. We've seen Republican... Uh, legislators at state level all around the country put in really harsh voter suppression laws to stop people from voting um, mm. on the basis of the quote-unquote stolen 2020 election. Um, like you say, all, all of Donald Trump's lawsuits were thrown out by the courts. So that, that doesn't hearten me too much in that that's the bare minimum of what you'd expect from a, yeah, a court yeah. system. Um, but it's um, it was it was it was absurd. Like the, the, the scenes still burned my mind, like the dude with the bison horn standing, you know, mm -hmm. at the po speaker's podium. And um, 
that other fellow with the face paint and that carrying the speaker's podium out of the White House and waving to the camera. Um, you, you have to think, like one of the things that I remember in that aftermath was someone pointed out, like if, if they were Black Americans doing that, uh, no expense would have been spared to put that, put that insurrection down. Like yeah. if, if it was Black Americans who'd stormed the White House or Hispanic Americans or something, you wouldn't have seen the police standing back and, you know, people having the chance to take photos of them having fun and partying and riding because it would just be gunshots and gunshots and gunshots until the insurrection went. So I think it was very interesting sort of micro study into how um, mm-hmm. white Americans can get away with a lot because, again, I, I can't say, um, you know, if, if thousands of black Americans tried to storm the White House, I, I can't see them getting the same treatment that Trump's boys got that day. So, and, and look, it's led the extremists in the United States to continue throughout the year in, in endeavouring to bring the Biden government down uh, by denying it money, uh, uh, which it never ever did to, uh, with Donald Trump. And, and, and it sort of led, you know, to, to uh, an appalling thing. And now the, the right is now trying to knock over the famous Roe versus Wade law in America that allowed abortion in America under certain circumstances and now we've got state legislatures everywhere trying to remove that and going to the Supreme Court and what's ridiculous is in an overpopulated world we've got 8.5 billion people the world can only sustain the side to say 5 billion in any long-term sense when we've got that many we go to extreme lengths to make women have babies that they don't want I mean it, it is an extraordinary uh, way to do things. Now, while you and I want to make sure that you know, uh, people just can't have uh, uh, abortions in the supermarkets, we don't want that happening. We have to still stand up for the fact that a woman has the right to decide what's going to happen to her own body, no matter what uh, <laughs> what happens. And the extremists are now trying to have that. Extent. And any woman who even thinks about an abortion is going to go to jail. And so... Uh, it, it, this extreme length keeps going, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think um, Texas's latest abortion law allows you to like put out bounties on women who are trying to get abortions, and if you dob them into the government, you can get ten grand, and you can bring a um, like a private prosecution against women who yeah. want to bring in a abortion. Like, um, imagine you or me walking up to a woman on the street and saying, "I'm going to throw you in jail because you've tried to abort your kid, a, a child you don't want, um, a child you." would not want to carry a child that your body may not be able to handle, a child that your finances may not be able to handle. Because you don't want to have that child, I'm going to dob you into the government and throw you in jail. It, it's sickening. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's something out of like a dystopian fiction novel. Um, it, it's grotesque. And like you say, the really hard right American uh, conservative movement's been really, really emboldened um, by Trump's ability to pack the courts. And now they see opportunity to tell women what to do with their bodies. Now, here in Australia, of course, um, women's bodily autonomy has been in the news this year too, quite a lot this year, um, where the sordid, disgusting culture in Canberra has been exposed time and time again. Um, we've had women like Grace Tame, Brittany Higgins and Joe Dyer um, on behalf of Kate, Christian Porter's anonymous accuser, who have been at the forefront of leading um, events to raise awareness, to speak out and hopefully push for legislative change in terms of the way in this country we treat women and women's bodily autonomy and I suppose unfortunately in spite of all the awesome stuff we've seen from people like Grace Tame and 
the awesome efforts and lengths people have gone through to try to push for change, that change is still sort of no substantive change here has, has come either. Yeah, well, well, you know, that's true that it has uh, manifested itself in, you know, in that way here uh, in Australia. And in fact, I'm reading a, a quarterly essay at the moment, which I subscribe to, and the quarterly essay, which I've been subscribing to for years, uh, put out by sports media, is, not, is on a special subject every three months. And today's one is about the Me Too uh, movement, how it started, the mistakes it made, and then new opportunities it has. And, and of course, uh, Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins, uh, you know, feature in that. Uh, I, I hugely admire uh, Grace Tame. I think Grace Tame is a woman who can stand up for herself. Well, look at Brittany Higgins. I see a, a, a frail person whom I think is almost being pushed to the limits of her ability to cope with all this. Uh, going around, but I think it's important. I mean, this is one way, and this thing has led me to decide my political activity in the election 2021 is to get as many female independents in. Again, I mean, I'll get, if any male independent wants a hand, I'll give them help too, because I think independence is the way to go. But if we could have a situation where on election night, neither the Liberals or Labor have got enough seats to govern, and they've got about a dozen female independents who've just been elected. And those old male chauvinists have got to go to them and say, well, for the first time in the history of Australia, women are in charge of the political death. You're going to decide who governs this country. That, that would be an event of some proportion, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that would be something to see. And I mean, um, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for an Albanese majority government, one that actually does something. But I'm a firm believer in the need for um, checks and balances on government power and people, yeah. strong, powerful voices to hold the government to account. And I think we've discussed on our show already, like that that's what a lot of these independent women promise, like strong, powerful, independent voices yeah. will speak out against corruption, um, against the culture of chauvinism and sexual assault, against uh, climate inaction, but especially the, the corruption and the sort of old boys club are two things that Canberra really needs to root out. And I think the only way to root those things out are to, yeah, like you say, have as many strong independent voices in there as possible who are willing to speak out against that. I um, but Before my time, or what, maybe when I was like sort of two years old or whatever, I've heard stories from um, about the Democrats who apparently did a very similar thing, like had members in Parliament who their main thing would be investigating the major parties and holding them to account and making sure they stay honest and aren't doing corruption and aren't doing these heinous things. And if we can, if there's like a big wave of independence that comes into parliament and does that, like this has been probably the most corrupt federal parliament we've seen. Um, it, it just came out today that... Um, not, not probably, mate, it is. Let's get the fact it is. No, no probably about it. Keep going. <laughs> the, um, it's come out this week that the so-called, uh, you know, Morrison miracle win in the 2019 election was just the product of him giving, like, pardon my French, but shitloads of grant money to marginal seats um, in the lead up to the 2019 election and giving no government money whatsoever to Labor held seats. So the, the 2019 Morrison miracle was just the product of pork barrel. Um, you know, it's... Uh, can, West... make a, can I interrupt, make a point about that, James? I've watched this pork barrelling all my life. Every government that's been in power in my entire life has pork barrels looked after their own electorate head of the other now. 
Morrison's made an art form of it and all taken it publicly. But let me tell you that Robert Menzies used to look after his own election, you know, pretty well. That's been on. It's just become blatant, uh, you know, in, in, in the whole way in oh, yeah. You know, in which is done. And the beauty of the independence at the moment is see, the Democrats were a political party, dissident people from other parties who got together and started another party, and they did all right. But the beauty of the independence are they come largely from movements which are called voices, the voices of Indi, the voices of Riverina, the voices of Parks, you know, each electorate. They have this informal group which is not a political party. You can't join it. It, it doesn't run a it's merely independent people in these electorates saying, we've had it and, and, and we don't want to be in any party and all we're looking for is a good candidate. They, these voices don't discuss policies or whatever. They look for a quality candidate and say, run. And so they, they don't arise from any political movement. And that's quite refreshing. No, it is. It is. Um, and, yeah, I, I know Pork Barrel has been around forever. I think the most egregious one, um, in the, the seat where I now live, Lindsay, which was the only seat the Liberals won off Labor in the 2019 federal election, uh, Lindsay received $23 million in government grants in the lead up to the 2019 election, whereas um, the three surrounding seats of Lindsay, all Labor seats, received $6 million between. Yeah, so that's I don't reckon these handouts influence the voters. I've watched this down the years. I need to wait to a waste of time. Most voters look at it and say, well, these pollies are suckers, you know, and they've given us this day, but they'll take it away from us somewhere else. And oh. I don't believe it gets them anywhere. I think these blokes better get down to the, the hard facts of how you win an election. Well, whether or not it influences voters, it's, it's a it's an attempt to influence voters using oh, public money. Like all the, I'm is it's yeah, dumb, that, oh, it, it may well be completely dumb. The, the fact that we've seen this government take to an art form um, like you say, it's always been around. I've taken it to an art form, using you and I and everyone else's money to try to get re-elected. Um, it's a bit worrying, but hopefully, like you say, this voices movement, fresh, unaffiliated, um, breath of fresh air independence can come into parliament and whip both sides into shape. Because the last thing I'd like to see is an Albanese government get elected um, and do the same things the Morrison government's doing as regards corruption, as regards dodging accountability. Um, because that would be, you know, the most hypocritical thing in the world. So were an Albanese government to get elected, it would be incredibly important to make sure there are people there to hold that government into account uh, to account as well. Yeah, well, well one, one hopes that, uh, you know, that's going to be... Coming back to Trump and how it's led on to Australia, Trump says he's going to run in 2024. Now, he hasn't got a chance because there are now... What's happened in these shows is the right wing in America has moved more to the right as a result of this. And there are now politicians coming forward like Ted Cruz from, from Texas that are saying the way for us to go is to be more right and more extreme than Trump uh, because the, the electorate's moving that way and we'll move that way. So the successors to Trump are going to be worse Trumps, not, not more enlightened Trumps. They're going to be worse. Now, the same thing's happening here in Australia where people like George Christensen and Rennick and these fellows believe that there are votes to be got out on the extreme right. And, and they'll keep moving in that extreme because they think this is where it's going to go. So I think we've got the same melody, haven't we? Yeah, I completely agree. And the, the, as people like George Christensen pull the Liberal Party to the right, 
the worst thing the Labor Party can do is pull them, is get pulled to the right with them and exactly. say, oh, now we're going to be where the Liberals used to be to try to appease the sensible centrist white male voter, um, which is a, a, a trick of the mind that the Labor Party falls into too often. Uh, what the Labor Party needs to do in the face of this growing extreme right movement is to stand up and say, no, this is not acceptable. We do not tolerate this in our country. We do not tolerate hate speech, discrimination, violence, incitement um, in, in this country. Like just remember those scenes in Melbourne with um, people bringing out the, the big gallows and hang Dan Andrews and all that. Um, we, you know, no one respects peaceful protest more than me, but that's not peaceful protest. No, Mark McGowan receiving death threats is not peaceful protest. Oh, um, and trying to threaten, you know, politicians, families and whatever you do. But, but you know, uh, the, the, there are uh, signs that uh, a rebellion is coming the other way. And now I, I poured myself an extra scotch last night when I read that Boris Johnson, there's a by-election in North Shropshire, which has voted Conservative for 200 years, never had anybody other than a Tory for 200, with a wide majority. And a woman who's a Liberal Democrat, which is the left-wing party in Britain other than the Labor Party, it's a, they call themselves the sensible left there. And they've been down and out. For, and the candidate they ran last time who came third actually thrashed the Tories and had, I think, 5,000 vote majority or something. The, the, the Tory vote dropped 38%. Bang. Over Boris, it was a backlash against Boris, and he would have had something to do with his silly Christmas party, but I think it goes a lot further than that. I think it was the sensible conservatives of America saying and looking at Boris and saying, this bloke is not us, and, and, and we've got to do something about it. Now, I, I, and Boris has now admitted that it was a, a vote against him, uh, the interesting thing is, well, some people in his party move against him, but here was the basic core, the voices of North Shropshire saying, this bloke does not belong to us. Now, can we translate that to Australia, perhaps, and say that conservative people who, who voted for Morrison all his life are now going to say, this bloke is not us. Is that going to happen here? Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. Like, the, the signs... Um... There are, there are guys in the, the coalition like Darren Chester, who obviously I, I don't know what he's thinking, but I imagine has seen some of the things, as a decent bloke, has seen he some of the things Morrison's done. well, a decent man, yep. Yeah, has seen some of the things Morrison's done this year and what Barnaby Joyce has done in indulging people like George Christensen and has probably just thought, like, it's getting harder and harder every day to see, the, to, you know, walk the same line as these people. Um, but so what, what I've seen coming out of guys like Josh Frydenberg and Simon Birmingham, who are meant to be like the sensible, moderate liberals, um, has just been like um, towing the line, the party line of Morrison completely. Um, so it's been very disappointing from, to, from, to my mind, at least, that there hasn't been like more uh, dissent from within the Liberal Party to say, you know, hey, what's going on with uh, what Morrison's been doing this year? Some of this stuff is really subpar. And I don't know if that stuff's been going on in private meetings, but there have certainly oh, been no... Catherine, um, do you read Catherine Murphy in The Guardian? I, I, I try to. Catherine's a good mate of mine. She's she got 137,000 
followers on Twitter, right? I've got 9,000. I mean, it just shows you that. But there, she's got an article on this very subject this morning in The Guardian where she says that she can detect some signs of dissent against Morrison, distinct to the Christensen's and all those, but that she can see some signs of, of, of dissent. Now, the issue is, as she asked that question, are these guys ready to move? Now, up, up until now, they believed that Morrison was their saviour. They would have been out hung and drawn last election except for him. And he keeps saying to them, well, I saved all you bastards last time. Now you better line up again. Have we reached the time where some of the members are saying, well, right, you did save us last time, but, mate, the thought that you might save us this time is bullshit. I mean, and have, we, have we reached that point? Well, um, I suppose Morrison likes to trumpet the fact that he, quote-unquote, saved them last time. To, to my mind, Clive Palmer and Rupert Murdoch saved the Liberal Party last time a lot more than Morrison did. But um, I, I don't think they'd, they'd flick him for another election. I mean, uh, I think um, for, for what I just said about Frydenberg, I also think he's not the kind of guy who wants to be seen as a usurper. Um, I, think, some... I think he believes that this unity is death. He's the sort of mm. like who's loyal to the leader. I know him pretty well. He's loyal to his leader. Morrison's the leader, and therefore you. And, and, and I think if there was a coup, Josh wouldn't challenge. Mm. If somebody else challenged, he'd then throw his hat drink. He's not going to be disloyal to the leader. And I think he, he'd win. He's one of those blokes that said disunity is death. At some point, of course, that leads you to death anyway. And that's, at some point, he's got to make a decision, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I suppose the one thing I'd like to see more of out of the Liberal Party um, next year is, like, spine. Um, because, yes, it's obviously incumbent on the Labor Party to speak out against um, the rise of far-right extremism. But realistically, it's not Anthony Albanese who sits in the same party room as your Alex Antiches and your George Christensen's. And it's not Anthony Albanese who's been doing uh, Senate deals with One Nation to get legislation passed. That's what the, the LNP has been doing. And I think the one thing we really need to see to beat back the rise of far-right extremism is members of the Liberal Party and the National Party uh, standing up, growing a pair and saying, no, George Christensen, no, Jared Rennick, no, Alex Andrews. We're not embracing these far-right, racist, anti-Semitic, vile conspiracy theories. We're not embracing theories here that say, the vaccines are a plot by the billionaires and the Jews and whoever else to take over the country. We're not embracing the conspiracy theories that say a secret cabal of shady people brought down Donald Trump, who was the only thing stopping the free world from slipping into disaster. Um, and those are all the conspiracy theories that we're seeing elected members of our parliament spreading right now. And well, true, true, but I, I, I think that uh, what I'm hoping is that some of the sensible people in the Libs and the Nats when the campaign starts, we will see the writing on the wall and decide to run as independents. For instance, I believe that Darren Chester would win Gippsland as an independent if he ran, if he said, I'm against Barnaby. That's all he's got to say in my view, and I think he'd get there. And, and he could join in. And so we'd get some people like that who join in with the independents and have, have a voice of movement in their electorate supporting them. And I'm hoping that might happen now. We're going to run out of time, James, and I think we better talk about who our hero of the year is. We've talked about Donald Trump being the lunatic of the year, and we, we agree on that. I want to say that I think that Barack Obama, whom I follow on, on Twitter, and I, follow, I read his books, and I follow him, 
the speeches he makes around the country. He's tried, ex-presidents are supposed to stay benign and nice fellows and just turn up for funerals and you know, things like that. He's been putting out, since his book on his life was one of the best books on the first stage one of his presidency, in one of the best books you know, I've read. And a lot of the statements that he's made have been moderating statements to try to get the mad right in America to see some common sense. And he's tried to make speeches to say, well, there's a better way than the way the country's going at the moment. And, and I've, uh, I've found that, you know, that's a, a problem is in Australia, we don't have any one of the stature of Barack Obama. Who, who will, Barack Obama can get up and people will listen to him whether they like him or not, because he's a magnificent speaker. It says good things that he's no threat to anybody now. But I think we need someone like that in Australia who can provoke some rational thought, don't we? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I mean, um, someone like Obama, I'm, I'm a big critic of Obama's presidency in that ultimately he promised the world to live in an atlas. And I think you've yeah, said... Yeah, he had a hostile book. Congress. Remember the oh, Tea Party. He had the but, Tea Party there. For the first two years, though, he had control of the presidency, the Senate, and the House. I think ah, yeah, you yeah. said in his book that yeah. he admitted what he did wrong was he thought it would stay like that for the rest of the time, and he he was a bit naive when he came in and thought uh, things won't change. Uh, I'll be able to have this House, Senate, Congress thing forever, and I can take my time doing these things. And but bear in mind, in the first two years, he had the great financial crisis that was left to him by George W. Bush. And he spent the first two years trying to trying to sort that uh, sort that out. I'm not saying he's a saint, but, but I believe he's got that. Who, in your view, you know, was, 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 the, was the the person of the year we should look up to? I, I I can't go past this year's Australian of the Year, Grace Tame, um, as a representative for the women of Australia. I go along with that against, um, against all the you know the horrible the, the boys' club that is Australia. I mean, you know. This um, I, I know we've said it many, many times this podcast and before, but um, that it, it sticks in my mind that when they did the women's march outside Parliament, and the the first thing Morrison said was, "Well, you know, in, in other countries they'd be being shot right now, so they should be grateful." After choosing not to meet with the representatives of the women's march, it was just such a, a callous and lacking empathy thing to say. And I think um, one of the big things this movement has shown people. Um, not ju- it just hasn't exposed like the vulnerability of women in this country to sexual assault and sexual predators in all forms of life. I think it's also exposed the serious lack of empathy towards uh, survivors of sexual abuse in this country. And I think, um, you know, as, as men, it's incumbent on us, like me and you, to have these serious conversations and thoughts and think like, what can, you know, what can we do? What can we do? What can we look for? in social situations at events, et cetera, to call out and say, hang on, this stuff's not okay um, because it's incumbent on all of us. It's not just incumbent on the sexual abusers to stop sexually abusing people. You know, like the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. It's incumbent on everyone to call out things that aren't okay and call out situations and signs um, of these bad things. And I think what we've seen this year is a real light being shot on the inadequacies in this country as to dealing with sexual abuse. True, and, and look, I, I think Grace Tame is an extraordinary person. And I, what I'm hoping is all the effort I'm going to make to try and get women independence up 
that they will open doors for a person like Grace Hayne to do something. I hope Grace herself doesn't run for parliament, and that, that's not, uh, she, she's got to be out there as a community advocate, but she's got to have some backing in that. And I think if we had a, a, a minority government with women holding the balance of power, they could give Grace Tame platforms and, and, and recognition and, and, and opportunity that she's never going to get under a Morrison government under any shape or form. I don't think Brittany Higgins will run. Brittany's a frail cat. Also, Brittany, to a certain section of the population, she didn't admit any blame at all on that night when as if she'd said, look, I was stupid, I shouldn't have gone. A lot of people would have come on her side. Uh, but having said that, uh, that bloke's got to go to jail for 20 yeah. years. Doesn't, 20 years, no matter, doesn't matter what. All I'm saying is she doesn't have the following, that, mm. the dedicated following that Grace Tamer's got because here's a woman who put up with that abuse for years, Grace Tamer, she's come out and she admits that she should have done all sorts of things in the past to protect herself. And I think she's one of the beacons of what we might call a decent, cohesive, caring society is what she could stand for. And I think you and I better work out in the new year how we can make sure that Grace Tame does get a platform and is saved from the abuse that they normally hurl at. Uh, the, the one thing I'll push back on there is um, I, I don't think it's incumbent on Brittany Higgins or Grace Tame or any woman to do to take steps to quote-unquote pr- protect themselves. In an ideal world, it shouldn't be in that um, it shouldn't be up to people to protect themselves from being sexually assaulted. You know, it should be up to society to create an environment where people don't have to protect themselves from being sexually assaulted, to my mind. But I, I do completely agree with your point that um, the people like Grace Tame moving forward are the sorts of voices we should be amplifying and yeah, yeah. the sorts of people who like you say she's not someone who i want to see in um in parliament as awesome as she be because she can offer so much more um every day being out there holding parliamentarians to account as like an independent and public voice in the public sphere so yeah yeah, yeah. that's true and so i think we can agree that you know she was she was, uh, she was a good person now i think our, our half hour is uh, not, let me rephrase that. Grace Tame is not just a good person. Grace Tame is an outstanding Australian, and we've got to make sure the flame does not die and that mm. politics doesn't contaminate her and that things are fine that we can work towards that. Well, James, we, uh, our half hour's up. I want to wish you and your family uh, all the best uh, for Christmas in 2022. And you and I are going to have to work out in the new year some goals that you and I are going to achieve on this podcast. I think we might have a little session of the things that we're going to achieve politically and, and we'll hammer them and we'll report every week on how we're going as well as discussing what's going on the week. I think that you and I are got to become crusaders uh, and we may start off with how, how do we become crusaders for great time and that, that could be one of the goals, well not for great time but for the women of the nation you know, and, and uh, and then we get involved in some other things. And I think our podcast can achieve some things if we have some goals we try and head for and we report on ourselves every week. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I, I like the way you think. I'm more than open to that idea. We use this as a force for good. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family too and to all of our listeners. And I think that's a good note, to, an optimistic note to um, call the podcast on for this year. We're not broadcasting next week because we're on Christmas holidays. 
we're back a week later. Yep. But thanks for listening, everyone, and have a very safe, happy, and merry Christmas. Yeah, look forward and to you all and to all our listeners. Bye. Look forward to podcasting again in the new year. Yeah.